Bridges, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with Dustin Owen, that's me, and along with me, my right-hand man, Mr. John Coleman. That's Coleman, folks. Coleman with a C. What's going on, Coleman? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I hear we have an interesting subject on the docket for today. Yeah, so today's uh, definitely geared towards um, our everyday American, right? Okay. Okay. Um, last episode, really geeked out for the loan officers. I want to geek out for the homeowners, right? okay. regardless of what you do for a living. Okay. And um, I think we're going to jump right into uh, what it's stupid to pay off your mortgage. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, I didn't stutter, did I? I said, why it's stupid to pay off your mortgage. But... That sounds counterintuitive, Professor. I thought the reason why you get these things is to pay them off so you don't remain in debt for 30-plus years. You're kind of right. Okay. I can't, like, go all crazy on you and be like, ah, it's totally stupid to pay off your mortgage. No, it is hard to pay off your mortgage. Like, but, but we do live in a society that um, we kind of have twisted a little bit. And that's too many times I see people... And, and this is going back generational, right? So this is probably three, four generations uh, back being passed down. Like, it's terrible to be in debt. Terrible to be in debt. If you have debt, pay it off. But too many times I've seen clients where they're, they're debt-free and poor. And I don't want to see anyone be debt-free and poor. I wish everyone could achieve a certain level of wealth or to be considered wealthy. And in order to build wealth, you sometimes have to leverage debt. Right, so when I say paying up your mortgage is stupid, not quite, you know, the, the that's more for shock value, right? But but let's talk about this. Let's talk about when paying off your mortgage makes sense. So first and foremost, before anyone goes and pays off the mortgage, they need to make sure they have six months of their lifestyle in reserve. Now, do you know what I mean when I say six months of your lifestyle? I do. This going back to that initial podcast we had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, on budgeting, right? Budgeting. So yeah, six months of your lifestyle is essentially everything that you spend money on each month times that by six, and that means you sitting into a, a tangible account. Tangible means it's liquid, right? So check and savings money market um, first. So that means you're not putting any extra dollars towards your mortgage. Most of us know that our homeowners, if you don't know, I'll share with you right now, if you just make one extra payment a year, you'll end up shaving something off like seven years, six or seven years depending on your interest rate, right? So you did a 30-year fixed mortgage, which by the way, I'm also a huge fan of a 30-year fixed mortgage over a 15-year fixed mortgage. So if we have time later on in the day, uh, remind me and I'll circle back to that to talk about why we would always do a 30 over a 15 or maybe when and how a 15-year fixed mortgage makes sense. But the first thing I want to make sure of and, and, and that they were prioritizing and why I said I think that's more stupid it's only going to be stupid if you make it a priority over doing these four or five things I want to cover right now. So the first and foremost, make sure you have six months of reserve, right? So before you put any extra money towards your mortgage, which, by the way, if you pay one extra payment per year, you will shave six to seven years off. So we can circle back to that as well. Um, second, most of us work for employers that offer some kind of a retirement plan, right? Whether it's a 401k or 403b. And most of those employers have some kind of a match. So before someone goes and applies an extra dollar or two towards paying off their mortgage early, I want to make sure that they're putting money towards their their 401k. Even if they just do the 
three or six percent required to get the company match, the company match is free money. So why do we ever want to give give up the opportunity to, to get some free money? On top of that, that money's going to be growing, right? It's going to be growing, and um, nine times out of ten, it's going to be growing, compounded at a rate much better than what you're paying on. Okay, so you're paying right now three and a half or four and a half percent on your mortgage. You're earning eight to ten percent in that 401k. Like literally, I think the past two years it was like twenty percent. Okay, that was ridiculous. It was actually good, but let's just say you're earning about eight to ten percent on that 403b 401k. Plus, you're getting the company match, so that should be your priority. Now, if you really want to do it up, like you're like, I want to be wealthy, wealthy. You have your six months reserve. You're either maxing out your 401k, which, by the way, to max out your 401k is to put like 19 grand in it. Now, sometimes it doesn't make sense to put the full 19 grand because maybe your employer only matches 50 cents on the dollar up to your first six percent. So, like, if your six percent of your pay is five grand, the company's only going to give you 2,500. So sometimes you don't do it. Now, if you're like baller status, you probably do, right? But that's probably not realistic for most of us. Um, but once you have the 401k, have you looked into a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA? It's another way to save money for retirement. Because look, you have your six months of cash reserves. So you have six months to live if something catastrophic happens, right? So it's sometimes, the reason I'm bringing this up is sometimes when you look at long term investments like IRAs and 401ks, you can't touch that money without penalty until you're like 59 and a half, I believe. Um, and I'm going to throw this standard, um, uh, what's it called, uh, disclaimer. Standard disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor, never have been, don't think I ever will be. I have several friends that are. I'm actually going to have um, a financial advisor on next week who, little teaser here, he's going to debate me on everything that I'm talking about, right? So so it's going to be a really cool episode that you're going to tune into, um, and he may even contradict what I'm going to teach you today. And I'm cool with that, right? Because there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all, right? So the purpose of this podcast in general is solely to, to educate, right? It's to motivate, it's, it's, it's to uh, entertain, but it's also to provoke thought, right? I just want to bring attention and light to certain topics so people think about it and they talk about it. Ultimately, people need to decide what helps them sleep best at night, but they should decide based on um, some form of, a, of, of an education, right? That's all we're trying to do with this. But what I was getting at with the 401k and the IRA is that a financial advisor may not want too much money to go over there because you can't touch it until you're 59 and a half. So you know, if someone like you, you're 36 years old, that means you can't touch that money for over two decades. So it would never make sense for you to be putting all your money to a 401k into an IRA before you have the six months reserve. And then we also need to make sure that we don't have any consumer debt, right? So before you go and you pay off your mortgage, you need to have your priorities straight. You need to max out your 401k, max out your IRA, which I believe, again, not a financial advisor, but an IRA, you can put $5,500 a year into an IRA as well as $5,500 a year for yourself. So like before you, if you have extra money left over, before you go putting it towards your mortgage, six months reserve, max out the 401k, max out the IRA, and then, with whatever money you have left, if you want to apply it towards your mortgage, great. Unless one thing hasn't been taken care of. What's that? Those credit cards. Like, 
mean, and quite honestly, in order, it would be a six months reserve, knock out the credit cards, do the 401k, because it's usually free money to have a 401k, then look into an IRA, then, if it helps you sleep better at night, add a little bit of extra money, right? One extra payment, so let's say your mortgage payment is uh, $2,000 a month, pretty substantial, but it, it's kind of market above average. Of that 2000 roughly, I'd say 500 is probably taxes and insurance, so you get like $1,500. Well, if you added somewhere around $115 to $125 a month to your mortgage payment as a principal reduction, then that means over the course of 12 months, you made one extra principal and interest payment. You've now knocked somewhere between six and seven years off your mortgage. But you can only do that if you have the six months reserve, you knocked out the credit cards, you maxed out the 401k, and you contributed to an IRA. Now you can start putting money. And again, that's towards your mortgage. And that's only if that's what helps you sleep, helps you sleep good at night. Because for me, personally, we take it even one step further. I have a managed account. I have like like intermediate money. So it's money that's not tied into a retirement account that I can't touch until, until I'm 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. And it's not money sitting in cash. No, these are stocks. These are mutual funds, right? This is money invested in the stock market that I have access to. Because again, I don't really have access to my 401k and my IRA. Like if I had to, I could access it, but usually with penalties. And some employers, I don't know if you know this or not, but some employers, this is a 401k, the only way to access it is to quit. Quit or get fired. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's the only way that you can access that money. Uh, that's something that you'll want to look into before you start contributing. Just understand what your plan allows and doesn't allow. Many 401k plans do allow you to borrow money against it. Both for homeownership, right? If you need a down payment, you can go to your 401k and you can borrow against it. Some do allow for a one-time, like, emergency. But um, intermediate money is what I was talking about. Because that's what you really, really want to geek out on wealth creation. And you really want to geek out on... Um, leveraging yourself, especially when you're borrowing at such cheap rates like we're borrowing right now, really over the past six, seven years. And by the way, we believe that the cheap borrowing is going to continue all the way through 2020, all the way into 2021. Now, look, rates might be four and a half percent, not three and a half percent, but even six percent is phenomenal interest rate. Like, there's some people right now freaking out because they were teenagers the last time that, uh, or they were like in middle school the last time, rates were like you know, over 6%, but I promise you, historically, 6% is an amazing interest rate. When you compare that in the late 70s, early 80s, interest rates were somewhere between 15 and 18%, right? So 6% is still three times better than where they were just a couple of decades ago. Um, so yeah, so if you really want to geek out, you would not put the extra money towards your mortgage, but you could put it towards stocks, mutual funds, this is what I recommend you do get a financial advisor, right? You, you reach out to, to your network. Like you can call you can call me. Um, like I said, I, I, I've had a couple financial advisors. I have one right now that manages. I have friends that are financial advisors. Um, so there's, there is someone for everyone. And I highly recommend consulting with a professional to help you figure out how best to use your money. But it's that easy. Or it's that simple. Right? Like, paying off your mortgage is stupid if you don't have six months reserved. 
if you have credit card debt, if you're not contributing to your 401k, if you're not contributing to an IRA. At that point, if you want to say, er, Paul, hit the brakes, and you want to start putting money into paying off your mortgage early because it makes you feel good at night, great. But I'm going to encourage you or challenge you to actually go one step further and open up that, that intermediate uh, fund, right? Whether it's through trade or CD or calling Caleb at uh, J.P. Morgan and having a managed fund or hopping online and find a good Vanguard ETF, somewhere that the money is invested, it's in the market, but unlike your 401k and your IRA, it's, it's a little bit more tangible because a couple clicks, a couple phone calls, and a couple of days later, you can have access to your money, right? Because maybe the six months reserve didn't do its trick, and you had, to, you, had to, you had to access it. Because look, if you're trying to get money out of your home, it's difficult. Like, do you know how to, how to get money out of your house? Uh, no idea. I think, you know, a home equity loan. Yeah, home equity loan. You don't have an ATM card, do you? Mm. Yeah. A home equity loan, a home equity loan, a credit could be a way, but you, do you know what you have to do in order to have a home equity loan, a home equity credit? You got to qualify first, right? Yeah, you have to qualify. But what happens if one of the curveballs right through you was a car accident, you're disabled, you don't have that good of disability insurance, and uh, you can't qualify? But your home is sitting on all this money. And you made it your life mission to pay off your mortgage. Come hell or high water, you're going to pay off that mortgage. But you don't have six months reserve. Your credit cards are all tapped out. So then we have, we have the priority to pay them all. You have no 401k. You have no IRA. And life threw you a curveball and you can't handle it. Well, I guess you're selling your house. So now I guess who you are. Homeless. There's no six months reserve, right? And, and by the way, I joke, you're not homeless because you probably have to home, right? So you, you just have a check coming in. But who wants to sell their house and help with their family and get the kids out of, out of school when you could have planned for things differently? And, and that's really the point of today's show is just to open people up to a concept that it's okay to have what I call a good debt. A mortgage is a good debt. For most of us, again, not a CPA, but for most of us, our mortgage interest is tax deductible. For some of us, it doesn't make sense, and we use the standard deduction. For some of us, it makes perfect sense. Right? You should never buy or sell a home. FYI, this is realism here. You should never buy or sell a home based on the tax deductibility. Right? That's it's a good sales ploy for those in the industry, but the, the savings you would get would be so minuscule, in my opinion, that it should never be a deciding factor. It just sounds good in like a seminar or something. So you're saying, so let me get this straight. You're saying that, you know, basically what you're saying is make your money work for you rather than paying off the principal slash interest on your mortgage. Yeah, I'm trying to teach you how to be smart with your money, right? I mean, ultimately what you want to do is at some point in your life be able to not work, have no debt, and have a bunch of money in the bank. Right, but so many people, especially those that came before us, right? So we're talking about our parents, our grandparents. They made the sole priority having no debt, and then they spent the last seven or eight years trying to invest and save. Well, money compounds. Right, you want something compounding. You want it doubling every seven to nine to ten years. Well, if you just started investing and saving the last seven years before you wanted to retire, because you spent all of your time, effort, energy trying to be uh, debt-free, 
there's no compounding left. Like, but if you strategically saved, had no consumer debt, invested, right, every month, just periodically, don't worry about the mortgage payment, a little bit of money over there, a little money over there. Well, your money that you save from 36 to 46 should double. And then after it doubled once, from 46 to 56, it doubled again. Then from 56 to 56, it doubled. You just doubled up three times on that money that you started saving. Well, you don't get that uh, accumulation, that just really wealth accumulation happens. You don't get that accumulation if you spent those first 20 years paying off mortgage, paying off mortgage, paying off mortgage, and now you're trying to save and let it double twice. That's because you'll always be, sounds like you just always be paying catch up. You'll always play catch up. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just the simple laws of compound interest. And again, get with a financial advisor, and, and, and any one of them can sit and run scenarios for you. Uh, I, remember, I remember back in high school, um, shout out to Mr. Boulay, who was my teacher my senior year. Um, I don't know, I think it was an economics class. But there was an exercise where we were basically taught, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but essentially this is the concept. If you saved $2,000 at age 18 and never saved a dime again, versus like saving $1,000 a year starting at age 40, you would have more money at 65 than you would have, um, more money at 65 had you done the two grand at 18 years old versus the person who waited until they were 40 to do $1,000 a year. Although the person who started at 40 with $1,000 a year ended up putting up roughly $25,000 plus whatever they earned. Right? And that's just the law of compound interest. And you the earlier you can start saving and investing, the greater likelihood you have of being wealthy. All right, so I told you guys, um, I, if we had time, and it looks like we have a little bit of time to do this, uh, I'd jump into why we would do a 30-year over a 15-year. And it, it, it applies to the same exact principle of wealth accumulation. 15-year um, fixed mortgages are solid interest, right? And that's all a mortgage is, a financial instrument to help us purchase homes. A 15 years is going to give us a lower interest rate, it's going to give us a higher payment, and it's going to give us a higher payment because we're paying the loan back over 30 years, over 15 years versus 30. Okay. And it's good for that person who has hit every box. Like every box is checked. Hey, do you have six months reserved? Six? I have 12. Okay. Um, are you putting in at least six uh, percent of your income into your 401k? Six percent. I'm maxed out. I got the 419 grand going in. How are you on the IRA? I'm dominating. My wife and me both maxed out. Cool. Um, what else do you have? Oh, I'm also putting $500 a month into this intermediate uh, account. Wow. Holy cow. Then what? Man, I take two vacations. I tie 10 percent. I still have money left over. If that's you. Well, first, bow down. Like, woohoo! Like, literally, pat yourself in the back, high five, go do a shot of Jaeger, have a good time. Um, but if that's you, do a 15 year fixed mortgage. Right? Do a 15 because cheapest interest rate, obviously, you have your shit together. Financially, at least. Your personal life may be a spring rate. We don't know. Um, but no, you, you have your stuff together financially, and payment is not an issue. And when and if life throws you a curveball, you have. So many tools and weapons and ammunition to handle it, you're covered, right? But but if you're not that person, do the 30-year fixed mortgage, pay the slightly higher interest rate because 
like about a two hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage, which that's kind of the average in, in most um, uh, top one hundred cities. Again, let's exclude the whole state of California, Seattle, Manhattan, and parts of DC, right? And maybe hit and miss in Miami. But for the rest of us, it's two fifty or even lower. Um, Shout out to my buddy Jesse up in Dumpstown, Ohio. His average loan size up there is like 125000 So you want to live somewhere where it's fairly affordable. Uh, the greater Cleveland area, uh, Dumpstown, that's a much, much uh, less expensive home. But nonetheless, I digress. So $250,000 loan amount, the difference of payment between a 15-year and a 30-year is going to be somewhere around 500 bucks a month. Right? So again, if you have money left over and you're hitting checking all the boxes, it's no big deal. But for the rest of us, wouldn't it make more sense to do the third year, have that $500 to make sure that $500 is going towards all those other buckets that we just talked about. And worst case, worst case, let's say in five, six years, you're dominated, right? You, you've taken what you learned in this podcast and other books that you've read and, and you've implemented and you're doing really well. So you're doing your job today, you're just patting yourself in the back, you're having a good time. There's nothing that says you can't pay extra towards your mortgage. Right? And that's why I always like a 30 year fix or a 15 year fix. It's the flexibility. It's the flexibility that if you choose to do a 15 year fixed mortgage, you have to make that higher payment. You have to have that $500 in your budget. If you do a 30 year, you give yourself a little bit of flexibility. Right? And again, this works, and this is going to jump into a little bit of what uh, our guest and I next week are going to, to debate, is are you disciplined? Right? Because everything that I'm teaching today or I'm discussing ideas that I'm provoking, it's for the discipline. Right? Because if you're undisciplined, some of these principles may not apply. Right? If you're undisciplined, you may not be able to achieve the same exact wealth level that someone who is disciplined is. Right, because what what applies to our financial fitness are the same principles that apply to our physical fitness. Those that are more disciplined in their diet, more disciplined in their exercise, have a greater chance of living a longer, healthier life than those that aren't. So, if you're undisciplined, I don't know if this podcast is for you. Right, if you're undisciplined, we're gonna have to flip the script a little bit. Right, and then now we're gonna have to start creating a plan that works into your lack of discipline ways. So how about we do this? How about we make this a pact to always be disciplined? That way, everything you learn today can be the building blocks for how you can retire debt-free and wealthy. That's all I have for you guys today. John, do you have anything that you want to add to it or uh, any lasting uh, comments or questions that we should cover? I was quiet as hell during this podcast because I am very undisciplined, so I was just soaking up the knowledge. Awesome. Well, my name is Dustin Owens. This is the Loan Officer Podcast. This is episode number six. We appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Um, we look forward to episode 66, 106, 267. Please keep listening. Share it with your friends. Tell your neighbors, your coworkers. Anyone that you think would benefit from this podcast or find us semi-somewhat entertaining, we'd appreciate it. If you have any questions, you can reach me at 407-645-6363. Look, even if it's not in my space or in my wheelhouse, right? My space is the mortgage industry. My, my space is purchasing and financing 
residential real estate. But as a loan officer, my job is to have a guy or a girl. I got people and I know people. So if you want to call me, I'd be more than happy to help you in any which way I can point in the right direction. You can email me at dom at waterstonemortgage.com. That's it. I'm Dustin Owen, and he is... Coleman. Also known as John Coleman, producer extraordinaire. We are out. Deuces. He played a financial advisor on TV. Damn it, I fucked that up.